1: Today on Radical Personal Finance, we talk about transitioning to retirement with Fritz Gilbert, writer at The Retirement Manifesto. He's got a cool story to share with you. He is 52 years old, two years away from retirement. We're going to talk about what it's like and how he's preparing for that transition. (laughs) Welcome to the Radical Personal Finance Podcast. My name is Joshua Sheets and I'm your host. Thank you for being with me today. Today, we talk with somebody who has pursued for many years the path of financial independence and who was on the brink of that transition. I'm excited for him. I think you can be excited for him. Most importantly, he's a dude who's put in his homework. He's going to share with you some of the lessons he's learned. Very glad to have Fritz on the show with me today. Fritz reached out to me. uh, He's a listener of the show, and he offered to connect, and he's doing a cool thing. He's writing at the Retirement Manifesto. He's not a financial advisor. He doesn't have anything to sell. Uh, He's not pushing something, anything. just trying to help and educate and pass along some of the same type of help that other people have helped him with, with uh, writing about financial topics. But he's a very knowledgeable guy, and he's uh, really great to – Bring out a perspective that uh, that I think will be really you'll find really really valuable and really useful. You know, I'm not quite sure how it has happened, but I've got I get emails uh, from listeners from time to time, and listeners emailed me a couple of days ago, and they made some comments about the um, average age of the audience, and it I guess probably because I'm young, I'm 30, uh, probably because of that, I-, I talk with a lot of young people and I talk about young issues. Uh, but I never set out to intend to make radical personal finance uh, targeted at young people. I wasn't trying to target 30-year-olds or 40-year-olds or any – i wasn't, I'm not really trying to target any particular age group. And so uh, given that it seems that the content has skewed towards young people, I'm going to make sure that uh, in the future that I properly represent uh, people of uh, traditional uh, retirement ages, going um, and properly represent the planning issues and things, uh, being 50 years old, being 60 years old, 65, going to do a bunch of work on social security and things like that in the future. Bear with me, uh, making some transitions here, trying to, um, uh, I've been working hard to get off to a good start here in January 2016. It's just a matter of as I can create the content, I'll get it to you. But I promise we're going to cover in-depth some of the traditional retirement topics. I'm not uh, necessarily intending to walk away from it. Uh, It's just a matter of as it comes up and as I'm able to do it. So I just thought I'd make that note that I never set out to make this show the financial independent show for (laughs) 20-year-olds. And uh, so I appreciate Fritz uh, reaching out to me. Before I play the interview, though, I just want to uh, share with you – some info on our sponsor. Sponsor of the day, number one today, is SoFi, the social finance corporation. Big news from SoFi a couple days ago. Uh, press release on January 12th. As I record this here, it is January fourteen. But here's the headline from the press release. SoFi is now officially a FICO-free zone. SoFi becomes the first large lender to strip the FICO score completely from its application process for Student Loan Refinancing, Mortgages, and Personal Loans. So big news from so I'll, I'll summarize the article. But basically, they said that they are completely removing the FICO score from consideration of cred- their credit approval process. And they are substituting for the FICO score uh, the criteria of employment history, track record of meeting financial obligations, and then the actual amount of your monthly cash flow minus your expenses. Uh so this is big news and this is really really I'm glad to see it. Uh the FICO score is is kind of a weird thing uh in that it is important but and it's it's imperfect. And it can make a big difference to you about what your FICO score your your FICO score number can make a big difference to your financial life, uh, dramatically affects uh, the rates that you pay on uh, on borrowed money, dramatically affects some of the rates that you pay on things like insurance, but it's really imperfect and it can be manipulated in some ways. Uh, but what I found actually the most interesting that I had no idea about this, uh, this data and I'm going to have to research this more thoroughly, but I'll read you this little note here. A recent survey commissioned by Bankrate and compiled by Princeton Survey Research Associates International found that 63% of millennials ages 18 to 29 don't have a credit card, showing that credit scores are becoming less relevant for this generation. The industry at large is also examining the accuracy of FICO and it's going on and talking about uh, some other things. Uh, so this press release, I just shared it on my Facebook page uh, today. Feel free to go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Joshua Sheets or the one for the show, Radical Personal Finance, and you can find the link to this article. But it's really interesting how things are changing. The, the FICO source score system – I'm glad that there are new options. I remember when I was 18 years old and I would diligently opened up a credit card on my 18th birthday, uh, either one or two, I don't remember, uh, but I was working to build my FICO score uh, right from the beginning. Well, it's nice that some lenders are getting past that because credit cards have sunk a lot of people, uh, and opening them just to build their FICO score is, is um, well – Anyway, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that there's another option. SoFi is your go-to resource if you would like to refinance your student loans, uh, personal loans, refi- student loans, mortgages in some states. Uh, just simply go to radicalpersonalfinance.com/sofi. They have an easy online application process where you can find out uh, approval in minutes. You can find out rates in just a few minutes. It's a very easy and simple process uh, that you, can help you save some money on your student loans, refinance your student loans, or refinance any personal loans. If you use my tracking link at RadicalPersonalFinance.com SOFI for SOFI, uh, SOFI, then you get $200 credited to your account uh, when you use my tracking link. So thank you for, to those of you who are doing so. Next sponsor today is Patrick Snow, the publishing doctor. Patrick is my personal publishing coach. Uh, Find out more information about Patrick at thepublishingdoctor.com. He is a best-selling author, has both published his own books, self-published, and also been published through the traditional format. Patrick makes his living as a publishing coach, helping other people publish their books. Uh, That is what he's doing for me, and that is what he may be able to do for you. Uh, Publishing your own book is one of the most useful marketing tools that you can do. Uh, It's not easy. I'm in the middle of the grind. But it may be worth it. And so, if you've ever dreamed about publishing your own book, go to thepublishingdoctor.com, read a little bit more about Patrick, and get in touch with him for a complimentary consultation. And now, straight to the content. Fritz, welcome to Radical Personal Finance.
0: Thank you, Joshua. A true pleasure to be here.
1: Super fun to have you on the show today. I know you're a uh, longtime listener of the show, and I always like to profile members of the community who are doing interesting things. I think there's a place for the big names and the people who are already established, and they can certainly provide some value. But I also love to speak with people like yourself who are just getting started but yet really have a message and some ideas and content that can be helpful for people. So I'd like to kick it off with – share with us a little bit about your background and how you wound up coming to be on the show as a guest today.
0: Sure. I I appreciate that. And I I will say, you know, it's it's interesting. I just got your email this morning with J.D. Roth and I'm like, wow, you know, you're going from J.D. Roth to me. So you're right. We are covering both spectrums. So it's great. And hopefully five, 10 years from now, you know, I'd love to be considered anywhere near a J.D. Roth level. He's he's fantastic. So (laughs) um, I guess a little bit about me. Um, I've, I've started a blog, you know, about a year or six months ago, the Retirement Manifesto. And really my whole purpose in this is you know, I'm I'm 52. I'm probably going to be retiring, God willing, 54, 55. So, you know, I've done reasonably well. I've always been passionate about personal finance as a hobby. And uh, I just wanted a, a forum where I could kind of share some of the stuff that I've done. and And almost, I don't know if it's more importantly, but just a place as... So many you know, demographics right now. You've got so many people that are kind of in my shoes, you know, five to ten years away from retirement. And and I thought it would be interesting for people to kind of read along with somebody as they're as they're going through that journey and you know, what am I doing to prepare myself? What steps are we taking? You know, not only what have we done to build Kind of the net worth to where we can retire early, but how do you make that transition into retirement? So the retirement manifesto is really all about that. So um, from a personal standpoint, let me let me touch base on that. You know, I've been very happily married to a wonderful woman, uh, twenty eight years. We've got a daughter who's a junior in college. She turns twenty one this weekend, so that's a big big deal for us. Um, and uh, I guess that's you know pretty pretty much it. I've done a corporate type job for thirty years. At my thirtieth anniversary this summer. So I'm blessed to have a pension, which is not something most people have anymore, so I recognize the value of that, and uh, and life's been good. No complaints. Why are you planning to retire? Um, the main thing is, you know, I feel like there's so much to life besides just work, and, and I, I enjoy what I do. It, it's fine, but, you know, given the ability to do what you want to do for um, personal, you know, satisfaction instead of having to do it for the monetary side, to me is just, you know, you've you've got a certain window in your life where you're you're still relatively young, healthy, and, and to me to give that up for a little bit more money is is a bad trade. So, you know, it's really to pursue things that my wife and I want to do that are all about personal satisfaction and, and contributing rather than you know just earning an you know additional paycheck. How
1: long have you been focused on retirement as a goal?
0: Um I would say I've always kind of knew that I would like to retire a bit early, but probably got serious about it maybe five years ago. My wife and I, you know, we talk about this stuff quite a bit, and I've had some friends that have retired early, you know, seeing what they've gone through. Um, probably, I would say the last five years, I've really gotten serious about putting pencil to paper, you know, doing the cash flow spreadsheets through to age 95, you know, can can we get there? That That's all probably been in the last five years.
1: Okay. On your, uh, on your blog uh, publicly, do you share any information as far as your net worth or any information as far as what your projected spending are or things like that? or, Or do you keep that information private?
0: I have not shared it yet. I'm very transparent. You know, it's it's me out there. It's my real name. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I talk a lot about our personal situation, but I've not shared the absolute, you know, real numbers financially. I, I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable being that transparent. You know, a lot of my friends read it and things like that.
1: Totally so. fine. So, yeah. Qu- question here would be. When people talk about retirement, the type of guests that I have on the show, uh, some, some of them are kind of hardcore savers living on $1,000 a month. Some of them are very different and, and focused on uh, spending $20,000 a month. Do you consider yourself and your family situation to be kind of middle class, mainstream focus or what do you think about as far as your personal spending level that you anticipate in retirement?
0: Yeah, and I don't mind sharing that. I mean, I haven't shared our net worth or anything, but I think right now we're targeting probably, you know, eighty five hundred to ten thousand a month type of spend, including taxes. That that includes the tax burden in there. So um, you know, I would say probably middle middle class. We're downsizing the home. You know, right. we're we're living a, a comfortable lifestyle, but certainly not lavish.
1: Perfect. So that was what I was uh trying to bring out. And the reason is because you're retirement plan is what I would say in the mainstream culture when people talk about retiring early, uh, this is what they're thinking about, mid-50s, and they're thinking about a nice, enjoyable, luxurious lifestyle. They're not looking at it and saying, uh, well, I want to live on $2,000 a month. That's really exciting to some people in the hardcore finance community. But to yeah. the mainstream person, that's not, they're not imagining, oh, I want to go backpack around the world and live out of a, out of a backpack and spend, and spend nothing. So what were the – walk me through the phases of your savings and your career, uh, the, st- the, the, the starts and stops and the things that you did well and the things that you didn't do well in working through your corporate career and building your financial base.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. And I guess, you know, the the main piece of it and and I've reiterated this with my daughter and I've written several articles about it on the blog, you know, the value of starting early just cannot be, you know, overstated and um, you know, all through junior high high school I've always worked, you know. I I remember going into college, I I had built a fair amount of savings. Just, I've always been somewhat prudent. I was blessed with parents who, you know, felt that, you know, it was a parent's responsibility to pay for a college education. So I came out of college with no debt. We've done the same for my daughter now. I think that's, if you can do it, that's something that a parent should do. So I came out of college with no debt and my very first, and I got a job right away. So I was 22 years old, Straight out of college, and the very first paycheck I got, you know, fifteen percent went into the uh, the four hundred and one k. Right, right from right from the beginning, I've been saving, and and I've increased it from there. So that's that's probably the first thing is started early, and I've never touched it and let it compound. You know, I'm I'm very much long term. Don't react to stock market volatility on the long term savings. So that was number one. Number two was my wife. I'm blessed with a wife who has very similar, you know, financial views as I do. We're not we're not by any means but you know we're prudent we we don't try to keep up with the joneses we've avoided lifestyle inflation and one of the things we talked about early in our marriage was you know when and if we're able to have children she was going to be a stay-at-home mom so you know in our early years of marriage obviously she was working we banked 100% of her pay and we we never got ourselves into obligations you know mortgage home payment or car payment never pay for cars i always pay cash for cars anyway but you know, we never got ourselves into an, a situation where the monthly obligations required her paycheck so that when we were fortunate, we actually adopted our daughter. She's she's great. Um, so when we adopted her, my wife was able to stop work immediately, and, you know, we never felt it in the monthly budget. So I think um, starting early, uh, being careful with a, with a working spouse to not to let your lifestyle catch up to that income. And then every pay raise I've had since, you know, we've taken, let's say, you get a 3% raise. 2% of it goes into savings. I give myself 1% to kind of spend a little bit more. And 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 we've just consistently long-term steady saving. You know, and J.D. Roth, who you just had on, you know, he's a big he's a big fan of that, you know. Um, it's uh, spend less than you earn and do it for a long time, slow and steady, and, and you win the race. And that's pretty much what we've done.
1: Did your – how did you learn these principles with –
0: um I guess I've always had my my that's a good question I I've always um my parents were conservative um my dad's still alive great guy my mom passed away 10 years ago but they they were always conservative they were teachers you know modest income mid mid very much a middle income lifestyle never got caught up in materialism so I think it was inherent in my upbringing to recognize you know um, the futility of materialism. And, and fortunately, my wife's the same way. So a lot of it's just my upbringing. But I think in addition to that, I've, I've studied this stuff and read it for decades now. So I've always been a very avid reader on financial theory and personal finance type stuff. Now I'm a big podcast listener and I, I really appreciate your show. I've got a long commute, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So now it's, you know, Massive injection into my brain through all the podcasts I listen to, but it's just always been a lifelong hobby, and, and I've just learned from it
1: over the years. You, you said you work in a, a corporate uh, kind of middle management, upper level management job.
0: Yeah, it's a mid mid to upper, more mid, mid mid level management. Tell me about your career progression. Yeah, that's um, it's it's been a great ride. Um, we've moved nine times. You know, I, I've always been um, willing to move. Well, not always. You know, you always weigh it out, but. So I started out out of college entry level job and I've had probably 10 promotions through the course but one of the things I did um after about 10 years or so so I was kind of getting slotted into a commercial guy I was a sales guy and spent most of my time in sales and I recognized that the career advancement potential in that particular track in our in our industry anyway was fairly limited it's more of an industrial type of of company so um, I intentionally kind of did a shift in my mid-30s, and I was fortunate to have a, a really great mentor who, you know, I talked to a lot of, a lot about this kind of stuff, and I, and I was able to kind of, through my relationship with him, make it known that I didn't want to be slotted in, in a single functional area my whole career, and I was very successful in shifting to a operations focus for maybe 10 or 15 years mid-career. And obviously, a big manufacturing company operations is a very, very big part of our business. That then transpired into moving into kind of the supply chain, where you, you know, take customer demand and push it all the way back through the supply chain to manage all the input. So, so I've, I've been very fortunate in in intentionally broadening my um, experience to be a, a wider cross-functional view of the business, and that's just resulted in some some really great opportunities. And, you know, I, I work hard, and I think I do a reasonably good job. I've been very blessed with some nice promotions, and uh, my career has been good.
1: Would you, in looking back at your career and your personal finance strategy, do you feel like you have uh, sacrificed? Do you feel like you've been deprived in order to achieve this place of early retirement?
0: I, I don't think I have, you know, one of the things that we've talked a lot with our friends and whatnot, you know, we've moved a lot and you could look at that as a, as a sacrifice, but my wife and I really look at it almost as a, as a blessing because, um, she's been very adaptable. We were both born and raised, you know, lived in our same houses our whole life all the way through school. And, and we've had a, a somewhat more nomadic lifestyle with our daughter, but in a way it's been a really good experience. I think our culture as a whole has become much more mobile, um, you know, with social media, you can keep in touch with friends and things like that. And we've just had a really great ride living in different parts of the country and getting to experience kind of the, you know, the, the local uniqueness that different parts of this country have. And, and we've enjoyed, you know, every place we've been, we, we always keep a positive, you know, I, I think one, one move we had in particular, we didn't particularly like all the other nine we've really enjoyed and if I think back to why we didn't particularly like that one, it's because going into it, we kind of predetermined. Oh, I don't really want to live here, and sure enough, we didn't really enjoy it. So we we that was early on, and I think we've we've made a conscious recognition that sometimes you have to move. Maybe you don't particularly want to move, but let's look at it with a positive mindset. You know, one one of the things I write about on on my blog is you know the personal choice of of contentment, and and I think you have to make a decision to look at the positives in life. And I think if you do that, you'll have positive experiences. So we look at it now in hindsight as, you know, we really don't feel like we sacrificed. We feel like it's actually been more fulfilling to have experiences around the country. And, and our daughter, you know, has done very well adapting to different schools and making friends. And, um, you know, it, it's been it's been good. It's been good for all of us.
1: What's the best investment that you've ever made?
0: Uh, personally, it's accepting Jesus Christ as my savior. There's nothing more important than that. But um, from a from a personal investment, well, let's just take it broader than just money. I think um, you've got to invest in your marriage. You know, there's nothing more important than protecting what's really valuable. And you know, money is is nice, but it's it's not it's not the most important thing in life. You know, I think um, the relationships you have with others, most importantly, your spouse and your children um, means a lot more than money. And I've, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, 30 years in the corporate environment. You can imagine, you know, I've seen a lot of people that had the wrong priorities and, you know, they're, you know, maybe not outwardly, but you just get the sense that they're just not happy people and they've made, they've made mistakes. So I think the best investment for me is, you know, recognizing what's the most important thing and, and don't let your priorities get out of whack.
1: What's the best financial investment you've ever made?
0: Uh, you know, I'm not a big speculator. I, I can think back to my worst one, but you know, I, I think
1: that, that question's coming up next. So don't...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can talk to that one. Kind of a fun story. I'll I tell you what I've done, Joshua. Um, I'm very diverse. I'm big on asset allocation. Just wrote a big article about it. So I, you know, I've got, I've got a foot in every camp and I've got a, a bet on every horse in the race and I don't really care who wins. You know, I'm, I'm widely diversified. And because of that, I don't really take any big outrageous bets. I just long-term buy and hold, dollar cost average, you know, on and on and on. So there's not really any one thing that jumps out as being a spectacular success. It's more just the approach of a widely balanced, diversified portfolio. And I, and I don't really mess with it. You know, I might make some minor asset allocation adjustments, you know, but but for the most part – I, I widely diversify, and I think that's probably been my be- biggest success more so than any individual purchase was was just the approach of consistency and diversification and don't overreact to short-term swings in the market.
1: On radical personal finance, and you, you've probably heard me express this thought, I have the opinion that uh, the actual choice of investment vehicle, which stock, which bond, which mutual fund, which portfolio, which asset allocation – Although an important decision, it's much, much, much less important than the bigger, I'll call them personal finance decisions, uh, you know, building your career, growing mm-hmm. in your salary, being willing to uh, do things like you said of being willing to move for a better job opportunity, controlling your expenses, uh, managing and avoiding debt, uh, keeping your lifestyle inflation down, investing yep. in relationships, not taking on expensive hobbies if the, there's a other you know opportunity things like that. I would I have an opinion that those things are uh those are the eighty uh, percent excuse me those are the twenty percent of the things that cr- account for eighty percent of the results and then the we can you know make up a little bit of of game with an investment plan based Absolutely. on your experience do you agree with that perspective do you disagree one hundred
0: and ten percent you know i i think the the burden of getting into a house that's more than you should afford is is so it's such a negative impact on you know it's it's amazing it, success in personal finance and the ability to retire early is, is a really a cumulative journey of many, many, many small steps. And I think the small steps combined are so much more important And all the small steps. They're not small. I mean, they're, they're important, but they're exactly what you just talked about. And, you know, if you read asset allocation stuff, a lot of stuff that they talk about in there, it doesn't really matter exactly whether you have 62%, 38%, or if you, you know, as long as you have a, a, a broad, Exposure. That's really all you have to worry about in that regard. And the other stuff is so much more important. You know, we've always been very careful buying our house that we don't get that, that, you know, house and cars are the two easiest things you can afford, you know, manage kind of tactically. And we've, you know, I work with some people that live in, you know, crazy, ridiculous homes and and I don't, you know, I'm willing to drive. I I, I live in a major metropolitan city. So, you know, the, the housing costs near where I work are very high. So, okay, fine. I'll sacrifice a bit because the, the, the burden of, of having to pay too much in in real estate just kills me. So, you know, we're very careful when we make those decisions. And I think that is the, that is the trick to, to being successful.
1: Tell me about your worst investment, uh, specifically financial investment.
0: Yeah. So, um, what I've done, I'll give you a little context and then it'll put it into, into perspective. Um, so the way I scratch my itch of wanting to speculate and do stupid trades, is I've got, you know, 85-90% of our net worth is invested in these, you know, wide, you know, low I'm big Vanguard fans so a low cost mutual funds, diversified blah blah blah. So what I've done over the last 15-20 years is I've I've kind of built maybe a 10 or 15% bucket that's kind of play money. It's all in TD Ameritrade and I do I, I do stupid stuff. I you know, I trade options, I trade the VIX, you know, I, I but but it, it 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 satisfies that urge and theoretically I could lose it all, although I I, I haven't. I've done reasonably well in it. But so it was in this kind of play account, real money, but it's kind of play account. I I inherited a little bit of money from my grandmother and I'd put it in there. So I was, I was feeling pretty, Hey, I got a little bit of liquidity here. I can play with it in my play account. And at the time, um, I was in a supply chain role, and we were implementing a supply chain planner from this company that um, was pretty widely known. This was right at the at the peak of the tech implosion. So I was like, "Oh, I know these guys. This is a great company. They're going to the moon." So it wasn't huge, but you know, it was probably it was close to ten thousand dollars that I plowed into this company, and it just absolutely cratered. You know, like everybody else in the tech boom. So that was, that was good because it was a lesson learned fifteen years ago before I had. Real material investments moving around to, you know, it's all about position sizing, diversification. I I took too big a bet in exactly the wrong time for all the wrong reasons, and I paid for it. So it it was a good lesson, and, and I'm glad it happened. But it was clearly the worst decision I've made. (laughs)
1: I'd like to transition our conversation now to a forward-looking conversation about retirement. And first, I want to start with the big picture, goals, plans, dreams, uh, vision. And then let's get into some of the tactical details that you've been learning about because this transition period of entering retirement is a very challenging transition period for for people to do effective financial planning. So I'd like to start, though, with your goals, dreams, visions what uh, when you and you and your wife are sitting out on the back deck, uh, dreaming about the next uh, you know the next half of your life? What are some of the ideas that you have? What are some of the things that you guys are looking forward to uh, in this transition period?
0: Yeah, this is this is the fun part, right? This is the stuff I, I really enjoy thinking about and talking about with my wife and um we spent a lot of time on it we've seen a lot of friends that have gone through it so we've learned from them and you know what what we're thinking about is we are going to downsize our home we've got a a, you know it's three bedroom three bath still it's still a nice place but a a smaller cabin up in the mountains so we're going to move up there and our plan at this point is to probably stay there about six months out of the year and then, God willing, spend maybe six months with a with a fifth wheel and and drive around the country. I know you're a big travel buff. I I, I love when you talk about uh, these expedition type trips. You know, ours is just going to be you know asphalt and campgrounds, but nonetheless, um, head out west and and spend six months out of the year, you know, traveling around national parks, things like that. And and one of the things that we've talked about is as we do that you know, maybe do a little bit of work camping. You know, I want to be at the point where we're financially independent and don't require any income at all. But I'm also cognizant that people say, hey, you know, it's not uncommon to kind of get restless and bored in retirement. So I think we're we're open to just kind of explore. And if we, if we end up, hey, we like Yosemite, let's work there for a summer. You know, maybe do some seasonal work, you know, working in campgrounds or, you know, retail, whatever. Um, kind of mix that in as we travel and then i guess the other part of it would be when we're back home for those 6 months get get pretty actively engaged in the community my wife is is very active in in charity work now so i think i'd like to do the same and and find some ways that we can get engaged in our local community and and give back you know um with uh you know habitat for humanity i just did a build yesterday i love habitat for humanity you know our church work um other ways to get engaged in the community um, and then obviously working on my blog, you know, that's, that's really why I've started it now is to kind of test out the, you know, the concept as, in preparation and then kind of go into that a little bit harder core when, when I retire.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is the major blind spot that many people have. They assume that they'll be able to just, uh, you know, I've been working for, I mean, you've been working for 30, 40 years at this point, depending on how far back you go. And they say, well, I've been working, I've been working, it's all going to be fine, and now I'm looking forward to living the good life. And the data is very clear Mm -hmm. that um, incidents of depression, incidents of sickness, incidents of of general dissatisfaction with life is high for people who just retire cold turkey. And I'm convinced that the only way to successfully retire is if you are transitioning from one lifestyle to another lifestyle. And if you are focused and you have meaningful goals, things that are important to you, uh, uh, Chris Gillibow wrote a book called Quest. Uh, something, I don't remember hmm. the subtitle, but it's all about having a quest. And in my mind, I feel like this is the, the key thing that we need to be spending a lot of time talking about is helping people to clarify their specific quest. And whether that's to visit all, I don't know, 241 national parks, I don't remember how many there are, but whether it's to visit every national park, uh, or whether it's to, uh, build, you know, 50, uh, habitat homes over the next, uh, you know, 25 years, or whether it's to make this meaningful change or to invest in the lives of 15 young couples and, uh, you know, absolutely, um, help them to navigate the, the turbulent waters of, uh, Early life and family, or whether it's to babysit, uh, you know, young children to help out young couples so they can have date nights and do that. So, like, there's got to be something that's really meaningful to us. Otherwise, you just you meet people and. They retire, and then they get old, and then they get bored, and they get boring, and then they get sick. Um, <laughs> and
0: then they, and and then then they, they die, die. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So
1: you've got a plan for that, and there yeah. needs to be a vision that is really exciting and engaging and, frankly, that's work, that's challenging. That's why I'm yeah. so glad you started the blog because that will give you uh, uh, an opportunity to be engaged, and then you can – Bring together this lifestyle of yes, I'm able to engage in these fun activities. Go out and you know we take the, the fifth wheel and we go and see the sunrise every day in a new park. Uh, you know every week, or we do work camping and we get to connect with all these cool people. But I'm also got this work where every day I sit down and write an article, and I can see the the impact of of my work. That, That's we, right. It's so so important.
0: Yeah, and and it's interesting, Joshua, because when when I started this blog, I was really, you know, kind of in my mind, what's it going to be? It was really going to be financially focused, and you know, let's talk about the value of compounding and asset allocation, and you know, all all the good stuff that's out there. But what I've found is as I've gotten into writing it, more and more of my writing now is focused on the let's call it the soft side of retirement planning, exactly the stuff you're talking about. And it's amazing if you if you open your eyes and look at what's written out there the amount of research that is coming you know, the other thing I was going to mention when you were going through the negative impacts of not having a purpose is cognitive decline. You know, there was a big study that just came out and, and talked about early retirement is actually a really bad thing. If you don't have some of these things you're talking about, because they've, they've statistically determined now, you know, the, the negative impacts of cognitive decline and, you know, you get bored and, 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 there, and life is, is, isn't, it's not a good thing anymore. and, and so my, my blog is kind of transition now, where I would say probably two thirds of the articles that I write are more about some of these softer issues, you know, planning for your future and carpe diem, and you know, encouraging others and all these different things that are are really what you need to be thinking about in this transition. Phase. It's not just about am I going to have sufficient cash flow to not have to worry about it. That's that's probably twenty percent of the challenge. The eighty percent is finding what you're going to do with this new free time. It's an exciting time. I'm 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 really excited to have the chance to go into a, a phase of your life where you no longer have to work. Now it's now you do whatever you want to do. What is that that's going to fill that 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 time void? that still brings you that purpose that still brings you that excitement and what a what an incredible challenge but so many people go into that with their eyes you know closed and they and they just they blow it and and that's a lot of what my blog is about is how do you prepare for this mentally and emotionally and spiritually because it it is really important to get it right
1: this is one of the big challenges of those, for those of us who are younger, if we don't dedicate meaningful time to considering and clarifying and working and trying different things, so we start to get an idea of the vision and the values and the things that are important to us, it sneaks up on us. And it's very mm-hmm. easy in our modern, comfortable Western lifestyle. It's very easy just to put in your time and it's very easy just to go to work, um, you know, be happy enough with what you're doing there, go home, watch some TV, and it it just sneaks up on many people. I doubt listeners of this show who (laughs) just through the fact of listening to a show like this, they're demonstrating that there are different. Uh, Class of person, but uh, they are. It's it's hard. This is hard work uh, for people to do. Have there been any resources or tools that you have used to help you to clarify your vision that might be helpful for other people?
0: Um, I don't know if I have a specific book or, you know, obviously if you think about kind of extreme early retirement, you know, Jacob Lung Fisker, I know you're a fan of his, his kind of touches on this in terms of it's a change in lifestyle, not just a, not just a financial spreadsheet that determines it. I I think the, the, the bigger resource that I found is, is self-educate, you know, real, I, I, I can't tell you how many blogs I read and, you know, I, I really love to read this stuff. And the amount of information that's out there on a steady flow, if you just sign up for emails and you know sign up for mine, sign up for others, the amount of information, and you can delete it, the subject comes in, it doesn't look interesting, okay, fine, delete it. But the amount of information that you, you just come across over the course of a week, a month, a year, that, that dwells on this topic, if you have a focus on it, you know it's like anything else, those things that you pay attention to, you tend to see more of. If you pay attention on this element of retirement, it's amazing how much is available out there in the blogosphere, if you will, um, on these types of topics and uh, that's really what I've done is just kind of opened up myself to a, a big flow of information and then I choose what I don't want to read. I just delete, 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 that's fine, or I read and then what i what I've been doing with my blog is as I come across things that are relevant and along these lines i'll I got a little thing in evernote and I and you know future articles, I'm sure you have the same thing and I, and I save some of these articles off into my Evernote for, for future posts that I do. And then I weave them in, in and I, you know, put hyperlinks. So there's a lot, of, a lot of external links that I put into my articles. I'm not an expert on this stuff. You know, I, I, I reference a lot of what the experts are saying. And I've, I've referenced you a fair bit in my blog because I really, really appreciate what you're doing. Um, so that's really the biggest resource I have is just the amount of information that's available. And then I try to funnel it down and put out relevant stuff into my articles.
1: What's the biggest lesson that you've learned so far from blogging your way into retirement?
0: Probably exactly this, um, you know, that we're talking about. I think, as I said, when I wanted to start this, it was all about the financial numbers and let's do a cash flow analysis and how do you, you know, project your income? What's a safe withdrawal rate? And 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 as I really, you know, you tap that out, not tap it out, but you kind of hit the big hitters, you know, within the first couple months, and then you really start recognizing that a lot of these other areas are, are are much more important. And I think the lesson I've learned and, and what's interesting too is the reader feedback I get seems to be higher for those types of articles, you know, which is totally counterintuitive to what I thought it was going to be. But the 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 demand for this type of of discussion seems to be Maybe it's, again, I'm paying more attention to it, but it seems to be escalating. You know, there's such a demographic surge right now for people that are right where I'm at, you know, a few years out. And I think people are starting to recognize the importance of getting this right. So to me, that's been the biggest learning so far is be open to write about what's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, and see where it goes. And it's been interesting to see this evolution away from the financial articles to – and I still weave a lot of those in. They're very important – but I, I write you know more and more about these types of issues, and how you think. The last one I did was "Before I die," And it, it tells the story. I was in Charleston a couple of years ago, and there was a, a big uh, construction barrier on some project, but they made it out of a chalkboard. It was, you know, eight feet tall and 30 feet long. And they just wrote on the top of it before I die, dot dot dot. And then they left chalk up there. And all these people gotta write some of the things, you know. And to me that was just fascinating. And and so I wrote an article about it. And and it's all about exactly this. So yeah, I, I think um I think that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned.
1: Here's my theory on why there is more interest in the softer side rather than the hard science of it. Uh number one. People have a tough time with math and science and very few people take the time to really engage with that information. You've got to really be a nerd or it's got to be very applicable to you. And even for those people for whom it's applicable – most people don't enjoy that discussion I mean I've been through those situations working with somebody in that transitional phase and you're sitting there going over a Monte Carlo analysis and explaining the probabilities of success of various portfolios and even though it's very very relevant to them and it's very very important and I'm doing my best to use clear and layman's language you can I can still just look up and I can see the film coming across the eyes as the glaze spreads and it's like all right Joshua wrap this up in two and a half minutes Monte Carlo analysis is (laughs) Uh, Not all that sensational to people. But I think the bigger reason is that the statistics – we've been sold a bill of goods, this idea that uh, it's normal for people to accumulate a lot of money to be able to retire. And the vast majority of people simply do not, have not and will not accumulate uh, enough money to be able to do what you're doing. The percentage of people who are actually – in your type of financial situation is vanishingly small. And so you basically have 90%, perhaps more, I can't cite the specific percentage off the top of my head, but you basically have 90% of people who will never be able to afford to retire, but they're still looking for meaning. And to me, this is one of the major themes that I want us in the financial punditry arena to talk about is you need to work on your financial plan and work hard to be in a situation like Fritz is in where you are financially independent or you're on track for financial independence. But don't give up hope if you're not there or if you're not going to be there because you can also build a meaningful and valuable life where you're making an important contribution to society without saving $2 million. So that... Is a message of hope, and it's a message that runs against the grain of what is often talked about in society. And many people that I've worked with just feel hopeless. They feel mm-hmm. they get they say I'm fifty years old, and and again study the statistics out, and you find that an average fifty year old has a, a few tens of thousands of dollars of equity in their house, maybe exactly, and yeah. they have maybe a thousand bucks in savings, yeah. and they have maybe you know twenty thousand dollars in a four hundred one k. Well, that's not that ain't going to cut it, and so. The vast majority of the financial discussion, uh, you know the Merrill Lynch ad of the of the couple walking down the beach with oh you 're going to have three million dollars and call our financial advisor it 's just simply not relevant and you see people wanting to say well i 'm not a failure like i 've lived a good life now, how do I adjust to the reality of the fact that i can 't afford to retire?" But I still want to live the good life in the latter half of my life and that's why it's so important for us to continue clarifying for people because as far as I'm concerned, uh, I intend to be financially independent and I'm working hard on that. But if I'm never financially independent, I'm not willing to give up The good life. I'm not willing to live under this cloud of oh, I'm just a failure because I'm not financially independent. I'm not able to retire. Uh, I could go and take my family, and I could I could get a fifth wheel, and I could get a, a truck, and I could go and be a work camper, and I could write my blog, and I could do today exactly what you're planning to do in retirement. Without all the resources,
0: that's right, and that's what's yep. so
1: cool about the world that we live in is you can pursue them both simultaneously. And yes, there are trade-offs, uh, but you can pursue them both simultaneously. And so, all the messaging around retirement planning is changing and must change to deal with the reality of uh, shrinking, uh, shrinking government uh, uh, s- so, uh, help programs, shrinking yep. Social Security payments, shrinking Medicare, shrinking Medicaid payments, uh, and. Shrinking bank accounts, uh, people that have wound up, uh, their investments have been a disaster. And so to maintain relevance, uh, just watch what the AARP is doing. Uh, I was
0: just going to say, life reimagined. Right. I was just going to say, their their whole
1: thing now is life reimagined. And so instead of the AARP image being, hey, look, we're going to tell you how to live great in, uh, on your annuity streams. The whole thing is, well, you're screwed because you don't have enough money, but how can we <laughs> yeah. help you reimagine your life, which is really great. I'm really glad about that messaging. But to me, I think that's one of the reasons why you get so much, you're getting a lot of traction on the softer side rather than the harder side because people are waking up and realizing that this idea and concept of the, the magical retirement, is, it's not reality for the vast majority of the population.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, and, and and I like that twist that you're because you know I I've, I've thought for a long time about. How concerning it is! Exactly what you said when you're talking about the Monte Carlo, you know, presentation. Which I, I love Monte Carlo. I could spend hours with you on that kind of stuff. But I'm a, I'm a nerd, right? Most people aren't like that. And 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 it's really bothered me to think about what percentage of people are so woefully unprepared. If you look at the average balance in retirement accounts and things like that, it's 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 really concerning. So this is kind of the first time I've heard, it, and I absolutely applaud the approach. You've got to find a way to make those people, you know that aren't prepared have a purpose and, and have a reason to be excited. Okay, I'm gonna work till I'm 70, hopefully, you know, but at least I know I'm gonna have all this other stuff that I'm doing or this other approach to work that's still gonna bring me a fulfilling life because they don't have a choice. And 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 what's what's the answer to that? You're you're absolutely on to it. So yeah, that that's you know, and you think about it, even now I'm still working full time. I work a lot of hours, but you know, I did a habitat build yesterday. And you know, I think one of the things that I've learned is you know, there's, there's, when, when you're generous with other people or you find a way to contribute through charity or whatever, or you help out another family, you know, there, there's so much reward in being a giver that I, you know, I think if all of us took a more charitable approach, even if you've got to work till you're 75, find a way to help somebody, find a way to get engaged because there's so much reward in that. And, you know i don't know if people until you've been through it and you've kind of experienced it it it's it's almost a revelation about how rewarding that is and that's kind of you know i've talked about maybe maybe i'll get into coaching you know you talk about how the the lower income People don't really have a good way to get served in the financial community because of the fee structure and all the other things you talk about. I've kind of thought about, well, maybe I can help there. Maybe I can do some coaching you know, as I get into retirement and, and share some of these ideas because there's so much reward. And I think that's something that anybody can think about. What gift do you have? that others would benefit from. And you can do that on the weekends. You can do that in the evenings. And you know, I'm working full time. I'm writing a blog. You know, th- there, there are ways that you can contribute to society that give you personal reward that don't require for you to be retired to do them. There's a lot of them. And, and I think you're right. That's a good area for people to think about that don't have a choice.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk technical uh, approach a little bit. As you started out and said, okay, I've got a pile of money, I've got some money in my 401k, I've got some home equity, et cetera, how do I actually approach this retirement question? How do I yep. actually do it and switch from living off of my paycheck to living off of my investments? How have you approached that learning process and what is your plan going forward?
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's a good question. And, you know, I don't necessarily have it all answered. I mean, I, I've I've done most of this myself. And fortunately, we've got, you know, Vanguard is our company 401k provider. So they've got a, a one-hour service where you can talk to a CFP, you know, every year. And, and, and I've been very encouraged by the things that they've said as they look at my account. Hey, you've done this well, you've done this well, you've done this well. But I, I think the probably the biggest revelation to me when you know the the mindset shift from being a contributor to a retirement plan to having to now generate an income stream out of that where that probably became the most visual to me was when i first this was probably 5 years ago when I first took my first stab at trying to put together, hey, how would I cash flow my life right? so i I, I started I'm a spreadsheet guy, I'm not a geek, but you know I, it, to me, it's much easier to to manage numbers if you've got a spreadsheet approach to it. so i I just put together a spreadsheet, you know, from now through age ninety five. And when you start visualizing, okay, you've got X amount of net worth. So much of it's in an after-tax or pre-tax and four hundred one k ira, whatever. And you build these various asset classes, and you assume a certain amount of return each year. Which that's where I love the Monte Carlo. I wish I could do it on my on my spreadsheets. I'm not that good. But um, when you start visualizing those withdrawals coming out of those asset classes. And you know, you look at the. I'm trying to use a three percent withdrawal rate to build a little bit of protection into it. That's when it really starts. It's kind of good to do a dry run like that while you're still contributing to the 401ks and in and, and retirement accounts because it really brings to light how things change when now you're you're pulling from those accounts instead of going into it. So I would say. You know the the biggest thing I've done thus far, and I would really encourage people to do it, is is to try to cash flow out through your life and see what happens to the account balances and how things change if you go into different asset allocation and things like that. Um, so that's that's number one was just to visualize it. Number 2 uh, as i said i'm i'm very fortunate to have a pension so you know the longer i work the the higher the pension goes it caps out but i'll, I'll never get to the point that it caps out cuz i'll i'll retire before then but there is value in each additional year i work because the pension amount goes up and what i'm looking at now i've played around and, and um you know the annuity thing where i think you just did a podcast on this so a while back um you know it is it is generating a lot of interest now because it it's exactly You know, it's the right tool for the job. There's certainly a place for annuities in here. And the way I'm looking at that is, I'm going to, it's a little bit difficult for me because I'm an early retiree. And obviously, the 401k, for the most part, difficult to tap till you're 59 and a half. I know there's the, Early withdrawal strategies you can do, but I'm trying to avoid that. so i'm I'm trying to do everything with after tax money until I get to fifty nine and a half and then I'll tap into the the retirement money. But probably when I get to the 59 and a half and, and have access to that larger pool of liquidity, I'll probably go ahead and do some you know um, immediate annuities. My goal would be to try to top up between my pension and ultimately social security and and some annuity base get to where the base requirements, you know, minimalistic lifestyle, but your base requirements are covered. And then, you know, do a bucket strategy where I'll do probably two to three years in, in cash and then three to 10 years in something intermediate and then 10 years longer in, in equities. That, you know, the, the standard bucket approach. That's the way I'm going to do it. I haven't obviously done it yet because I'm still a couple of years away, but that's, that's what my strategy is at this point.
1: Remember that if you have funds in your company 401k, If you leave that company, which is, I would say, obviously your plan, you can withdraw the money from that plan at fifty five, rather than at fifty nine and a half. You're
0: aware of that, right? But you have to leave at fifty five, and I may not be. I'm, I'm debating, and and that's one of the things I'm thinking about. You know, I'm, I'm kind of torn right now. You know, part of it'll be how much do we sell our primary house for? How soon does my daughter get out of college? Blah blah blah. But you know, I'm kind of in that fifty four versus fifty five decision point right now, and and that is a factor because I'm thinking, hey, if I wait one more year then suddenly all that is accessible, it, but you have to retire after you're 55 or in the year that you turn 55, I guess. Right. So yeah, I, I am aware of that and I appreciate you pointed out
1: with uh, regard to, so you, you have the pension and, um, and you're thinking about kind of an annuity strategy. And in, in my mind, the pension is th- that is an annuity. It's solving yeah, that. It's solving agreed. that problem with, that you have of just the basic thing that the annuity provides is a level floor of income, so yeah. that you're not concerned about the fluctuation of uh, of your other investment accounts. And you probably give up a little bit of total return, but you yeah. get the satisfaction of the of the floor of income. And one of the things that I've observed, which is very challenging, it's one thing to have a stomach of steel when you're in an accumulation phase. And you're, looking, so you're sitting there and saying, well, I've got plenty of income. You've got a nice salary. You've got uh, everything that you need coming in from salary. But when you go into a distribution phase, uh, it becomes a little different because now mm. you're worried about, well, this month, if I'm going to get this big fancy fifth wheel and my fuel budget for pulling this thing is going to be 1000 bucks a month uh, if I'm going to be traveling a lot. So where is that 1000 bucks going to be coming from? And what's my plan if uh, <laughs> if the exactly. markets start to fluctuate?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 I have thought about that because back during the oh eight downturn, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is great, I'm I'm getting equities cheap, right? I've I've never had a problem with it. And I do all the risk assessments on the various sites and you know, I've I've had a fairly aggressive personality for this stuff. So but I also recognize, you know, there's a little downturn we had in August. You know, I'm it, it's a lot more concerning now when you're getting closer to the finish line. And I imagine once you cross that line, it becomes a whole nother level. So that's where, you know, this bucket strategy, most people say keep one to two years liquid. I'll probably do like three to four years just because I don't want that anxiety of, of having – Having a correction and knowing that you have to tap into that because that's devastating, right? On any of the any of the projections, you do not want to get hit with a timing issue, especially in early retirement. Absolutely, Um, sequence risk is huge. So that does that does concern me. Yeah.
1: With regard to your other, uh, I guess plans, and specifically, you're planning to buy. Do you own the camper already, or are you planning to buy one?
0: We're going to buy one. At this point, our, our thought is we, we've camped for years and, and we've we've always had different campers. We've never gone to the big fifth wheel, but um, our plan at this point is to sell the primary residence. We've got a, a fair amount of equity in that. So that liquidity that we'll generate from that sale is going to go, and, and that's kind of in my cash flow model that I talked about. You know, I start with X of, of equity balance, and that depends on how much we sell the house for. And then you pull from that, okay, we got to buy the fifth wheel. I, I do have an F-250, so I've got, I've got a truck, and we've got the second home. Currently, we rent it out, and we, we generate some rental income from it, so that's fine. So, really, the 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 liquidity required to get the launch date is kind of built into this primary home sale, and then you subtract from that the the, the purchase of the fifth wheel. So, you know, but we're again, we're we're very conservative. We'll go with something a couple of years old. You know, we'll, we'll be very we'll be very prudent. Get something that's comfortable, but not not extravagant.
1: That was going to be my next question. So, you kind of have this question of how long am I going to use this and there are various schools of thought you could say well I'm going to go ahead and buy this I'll buy it new I'll buy exactly what I want I'm going to own it for a long period of time or you could take a more uh, I guess lower cost approach I'm going to try to find a deal and maybe I might have it's used so I'm going to have to deal with a couple of things but at least that lowers my cash outlay how would you approach that decision
0: Exactly what you just said. You know, it's been kind of fun because the last couple of years, my wife and I, whenever there's an RV show anywhere within like an hour or a half, you know, and we live near a major city, so there's a lot of RV shows. Whenever there's an RV show, we love going to the RV shows. And what, what we've said, you know, starting a couple of years ago, hey, let's see what we really like. And then let's keep the pamphlets and things like that. And I'll take pictures and put them in Evernote or whatever. But let's let's keep track of what we really like in say the 2013, 2014 model year. And then you almost say, let's stop looking, because you know there's always something newer, there's always something better. Right. Well let's not let's manage our expectations and kind of target this this time frame because when we're ready to retire, those are going to be three or four years old. And and that's that's gonna be the approach, is try to get something slightly depreciated, but still with a lot of life in it.
1: That's a, that's a good plan. It, it's a good way to, con, to get clear on what you want, enjoy the excitement of shopping, and then you yeah. got to stop shopping. Otherwise, exactly. they're, they're making their money off of you keeping on the newest model. Look at this little change that we did, and this is going to make our lives so much better. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and you know what? It doesn't matter, right? I mean, the fact that the TV is a half inch instead of three quarters of an inch, What I mean, it's crazy, right, right. right? So don't get caught. And that goes back to this whole concept of not getting caught up in materialism, right? You, you've got to have sufficient stuff to cover your needs but be really really careful about managing your wants because the wants can the wants can kill you. So
1: I do love the I know many people don't they don't want to do the travel thing in retirement. Many people do and it always becomes a cliche, but I'll tell you for a couple uh, for two people some of the fifth wheels. I have a family member that owns a fifth wheel and it's big and it is beautiful and it is exactly custom built for two people and when you just put two people in this big giant fifth wheel, it's got a couch, it's got recliners, it's got a fireplace in the back, uh, they got a kitchen, they got a full washer and dryer, a large bathroom and then this large king size bedroom and the whole thing is in the fifth wheel and so they love to take it and they take it all around to the parks and and, uh, just set it up and it's more comfortable than most, uh, most houses are. It's beautiful and it's such a cool lifestyle to be able to be in cool locations but to have all the comforts of home. They don't want for a thing, yeah. It's, it's it's totally comfortable, totally amazing, and it's a. I think it's a really cool lifestyle uh, for people to enjoy the fun of travel with the comforts of home.
0: Exactly. And, and I don't know if it was on your podcast or another one, but uh, it might have been you. You talked uh, a couple of months ago about uh, the tiny house phenomenon and, and really a fifth wheel is a perfect tiny house, right? It's, it's mobile. It's a very comfortable lifestyle. And, you know, we, we have some friends that are doing it full time right now. And, and I don't think I could go. My wife and I both, we feel the same way. We couldn't go full time hardcore. We, we've got to have a base because I think to be per, perpetually nomadic would be, you know, that I struggle with that a little bit. I think it'd be nice to have a base. Where you know you have a home, you can go back and unwind for you know periods of time, but then you go off on these adventures and you drive to Alaska for six months. I mean, what 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 an exciting thing that you know it's it's really exciting to be at this stage in our life and know that that's a very real possibility within the next you know two years that we're going to be doing that. It's it's fun.
1: I think variety adds a lot to the zest of life, and uh, in that. Doing anything again and again and again becomes old. Travel, I think, becomes old and yep. monotonous if it's not broken up. Yeah. Uh, so even for me, like my ideal schedule at this point, which I'm working, I might be able to achieve it in 2016, or it might take me till 2017. But at this stage of my work work life uh, plan. I want to work three months, take a month off, work three months, take a month Perfect. off, work three months, take a month off. And I intend to work January, February, March, take April off, May, June, July, August off, September, October, November, December off. And I like that structure because it allows you to stay focused on a project, a work project. Here's the project for this three month period. And then it allows you to get away. And so you can enjoy both aspects of it. It's really fun to throw yourself into projects that, that keep you tired and, and worn out. And when and you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted, that's really engaging to life. But then on the flip side, it's also nice to go on vacation. But vacation, if it's a permanent vacation, becomes very hollow after a while and you want something to retire back you want something to return back to that has meaning. So this this flow of life I think is a is a key area for us to focus on.
0: Yeah, and I think what you're seeing now, you know, obviously you're a you're a younger generation than I am, and, and, and you're seeing more and more of that. And it kind of goes to the earlier discussion we had about these people that realize they're gonna have to work the rest of their lives and and man, what, what you know, what am I gonna do with myself? I really like the the trend that you're starting to see with kind of the, the millennials or whatever you want to call yourselves, um, of, of this, you know, mini, many retirements scattered through your career. You can either do a three month, one month like you're talking about. I've got a friend who um, worked for like four or five years in corporate. American, he's taking a year off, you know, and, he, and he's down in Buenos Aires right now for a year with his wife before they have kids, right? I mean, they're, they're, that whole approach to life is really a great way for the younger generation to go about it because people aren't in one career, one company for 30 years anymore. It's totally socially acceptable to, to change companies and, and, and what a great way to kind of fit in this retirement concept, but do it as you go. And now the, the trade-off, I think, is you've got to, do that with open eyes, that you're probably negatively impacting your ability to get out early on the back end, right? You're, you're trading now for tomorrow, but it's not a bad trade. It's it's a really good thing to think about. And, and, I, and I applaud you for, and by the way, I'll just say as a, as a very faithful listener, you know this whole thing that you've done with tr- tr- doing the Patreon first and now doing the affiliate advertising, and you know we we love your 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 new baby and everything else. I really I really applaud the approach you're taking to break out of the the, the career thing you were doing with Northwestern and and to try something on your own and and to tweak it. You know because you got to make a living and and I, you're going to be hugely successful because you're willing to try new things and you've got fantastic information. And, you know, I, I'm really going to be interested to watch how this unfolds for you over the next three to five years because I think it's going to be, you know, hugely successful. So, so um, accolades to you for your approach.
1: Thank you. Not every day is easy, but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, but I'm I'm definitely excited about it. Maybe someday soon we'll be out on our camping trip and we'll we'll pull up next to you at a at a national park and we'll do another podcast over a tape over a That would table. be
0: that would be incredible. <laughs> three years three years from now and see what life has transpired. I, I, let's keep in touch. I, I, we'll do
1: that. Last question for you yep. is this: I believe your daughter is in her early twenties, and I'd like you yep. to take a couple moments and pretend that um, you know you're gonna. Have Face a freak accident this afternoon, and uh, you've only got a couple of minutes just to share with her some life lessons and some general advice surrounding her financial life management. If you had a few minutes to speak to someone like your daughter, uh, man or woman in, in their early 20s, and you had a few minutes to encourage them and share with them some of the most important lessons that you want them to remember. What would you share with a person in that situation?
0: Wow, yeah, that's <laughs> and, and you've got thirty seconds to think on your feet to give a incredibly important answer. Um, great, great question. Um, I, I think, and I'll just kind of wing it here. I, I think first and foremost is have your priorities in the right place. You know, look at things from an eternal perspective. And and personally, as I said, I'm a Christian. You know, get get the get the faith side of it right. Have a relationship with God. That's that's the most important thing in life. The second thing is um, keep finances in, in perspective. You know, Don't become so obsessed with money, which she won't. She's not like that at all. But just as a general reminder, money is a tool to other things. And make sure that the other things are what you focus on. And don't become obsessed with saving too much money, but don't get obsessed with spending too much money. Have a balance. You know, life is like a wheel, and you've got all these spokes in your life, and if your spokes aren't all roughly the same length, the the wheel doesn't turn very well. So have a balanced approach in life, and, you know, make sure that you're taking care of your relationships. Um, Find the perfect man and, you know, invest in him in that relationship. Invest in your children. Make them the priority. And then I guess the financial-oriented thing would, you know, that first paycheck you get, start with 15%, never get used to spending the money. And every, every time you get a raise, just increase and increase and increase those savings because time is on your side and it's only on your side now. You know, once you're 35, that window's gone. You've got a very limited opportunity earlier in your life to take advantage of the compounding, and that's, that's really the trick. So um, tough question, but I think those are my initial thoughts.
1: Fritz, thanks for coming on. I really enjoyed talking to you today.
0: Yeah, thank you, Joshua, and good luck with the show. Let's keep in touch and thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I should mention too uh the retirement is the website. Yeah,
1: sorry, I was I forgot nope. to ask you. Retirement <laughs> the retirement That's
0: correct. I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, the Retirement Manifesto on all of them. But look me up, send me an email. You know, if you guys want any any particular issue addressed, I'm I'm just a small little blogger here, so um, you know, I'm I'm very open to any suggestions from any of your listeners on something they'd like me to write about, and I'll research it and write it and uh, and I'll keep in touch with you, Josh. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, find out more information from Fritz. Make sure to check over to his website, theretirementmanifesto.com. Keep in touch with him and with his journey. He just published an article today on uh, what he's doing uh, in uh, what he's doing to prepare and what he's what he has done to prepare for the volatile market. An article titled today Uh, Five moves I've made in today's market volatility. Uh, I think you'll enjoy that discussion from somebody who's looking at a large portfolio balance to try to figure out what do I do with my investment accounts in order to maintain uh, my retirement plan. So make sure to go and check that out there. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, very much thank you for listening to today's show if you would like to support the show directly please go to radical personal com slash patron radical personal com slash patron that allows you to support the show directly uh, if this content and uh, information education is useful to you in any way I would appreciate your support there uh, planning to make some changes to that program hoping to uh, engage a few more of you so details coming on that in the next few day, next few days and I think that's it Late at night here, going to hit publish on the show, and uh, I am getting up early tomorrow morning. (laughs) It's uh, it's a late night and early morning. Heading over to the west coast of Florida, to Sarasota for the weekend uh, to attend a seminar there. I'm going to try to record a a show on the way there. Uh, We'll see if I can make that happen for you. Uh, But for now, that's it. See you all soon.